Hello, everyone. This is Brooke with The Wild Feather. And we have a great marketing strategist uh, joining our conversation today. Her name is Lucy Truitt, and she is based out of the UK. She's a marketing strategist and consultant with over a decade of marketing experience. Her concepts start with mindset, beliefs, and intention. And she talks about the transition from corporate fashion world to organically starting her own business. Uh, we talk really knowing your target audience and their nuances, um, flexible life schedules. Uh, she tells us uh, about really drilling in on social media and email marketing, where you want to spend your time. It may not be where you think and uh, lots more. So let's get to it. Super excited to have you, Lucy, on our show today. And Lucy's coming to us from the UK. Super cool. And she's going to tell us all about her journey in marketing and how she uh, came to start iBali. And I'm super excited to have you on the show. So I can't wait to hear all about your journey. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background. Um, and how you became a founder? So my background is a little bit of a convoluted journey, I suppose. Um, I <laughs> aren't they all? <laughs> I know they really are. Everyone, everyone that's ever started a business, I swear they're like no one's like I did this, then I did this, and then I started a business. It's just not how right. it works. Right. Um, so I to go right back. Uh, uni did an English lit degree. That was obviously not going to get me in a, any kind of job. Uh, so then. <laughs> <laughs> then I did a business master's. <laughs> I mean, it was really lovely, but I'm really quite concerned that one day someone's going to walk up to me and be like, yeah, your undergrad degree, we're taking it away from you because essentially it was a book club. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, loved it, but <laughs> not really sure how applicable it was to the world of work. Um, so then I did a business master's and then I, what was my first job? Oh, God, I can't even remember now. Oh, it was like a PA job. It was awful. Oh, it was awful. I was not a good PA. Like, mm. I hands down terrible. Um, my brain doesn't work that way. And I have to say, any PAs out there, you are absolute heroes. I just, you're, I just don't know how you guys do it. It's, you have to have like a million tabs open in your mind at all times. And it, it, yeah, my brain is very like, nope, not dealing with this. So that was my yeah. first job. That was a failure. Um, <laughs> And then I moved into uh, luxury goods and fashion and, uh, well, actually luxury goods. And then there was actually, no, before that, they went into teaching. So I trained as a teacher for a year. Um, and that was very bureaucratic, which was not for me. So then I um, moved into, I did some stuff for luxury, uh, like interior, luxury interior design business, and then moved into like luxury services and then fashion, ended up in fashion. And, um, yeah, so all with that really high end thread, doing marketing for them, and it so was. So you fell into marketing. 
Yeah, I kind of it fell into like marketing. Okay. Well, yeah, a little bit, but also that it's, I, I love business, right? So I've always loved every aspect of, especially small business, like small business really makes me tick. Um, it's just really, to me, it's really exciting. And mm-hmm. I know that not a lot of people think that. And I just, I love like learning about, I love learning about other people's businesses as well. I find that really fascinating. Um, so yeah, I kind of did just, I guess, gravitate towards it. Um, but yeah, I did sort of fall into it a bit. And then it was late 2019. I was living in Paris working, um, in fashion and it just was not the one, like it just wasn't, I was probably around, well, I would have been about 30 at the time, 31, maybe. This was 2019. So yeah. Struck yeah. Yet? No, not yet. No, this is just pre-COVID. And it was, I was just, I was really, just very, very run down, very exhausted. And I felt like nothing in my life was really working. And it was just a bit like, I kept trying to shove this square peg through a round hole. So I was like, okay, no, we're just gonna, this isn't working. So I moved back to the UK and I set up on my own. Um, just doing freelance stuff essentially for like friends or contacts I already had. Um, and COVID hit. And just as COVID was hitting, I was still applying for like big jobs at big businesses in London. I was very much like, I'm going to apply for this and this. And I very much still trying to hammer that square peg through the round hole. Like I shouldn't, I had no business doing this. It just, it clearly hadn't worked before, but I was still like, no, society expects me to do this. So I'm going to go back and do it. Right. Um, and yeah, and I think it was even like the end of 2020. And I, essentially been like freelancing, I guess, uh, uh, about a year. And I was like, Oh, I guess I just do this now. I guess this is what I do. I guess I should set up a business. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how it began. <laughs> but yeah, scary. right until the end of 2020, I was still like thinking, Oh, maybe I should. And I did actually get offered a job and I was like, Oh, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess it's just, it took me a while to kind of I don't know if you felt this, but I feel like for me, something about starting a business felt a bit like I was going against societal norms. I think you're, Uh, it's really comfortable as well, right? Working for someone else. Yeah. Like it is. You don't have to worry. Like you just, you know, you get paid at the end of the month. Like you don't have to send invoices out. You don't have to like worry about where your next client's coming from. You, all of these things that you don't have to think about. Um, You get holiday pay. Great. Uh, Oh, maternity leave is a thing. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I think it's really comfortable working for a large business. And I think that's why my brain was like, oh, no, maybe I should just like keep trying this. And it's just, no. It's scary going on your own. And yeah, yeah, and even still to this day, like I have friends that do very well and they have all the bells and whistles, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter if they're having a bad week or a bad month, they still get their pay. Uh, yeah. Right. But, and sometimes I go down that path of that thought process of like, oh, I could just. Yeah. I could die. And then I'm like, <laughs> no. Why? Like, no. <laughs> I could never. I could never. Because, like, the cost of. I don't know, like conforming to that. I don't know. Yeah, I probably work more hours, but it's giving up. 
I don't, what'd you, what would you say? It's like giving it's up your It's a total character. lack of like, autonomy. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, autonomy is my biggest driver. Always has been, always will be, whether it's like physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's like financially, like for me, having that sense of I am my own person and I have full control over what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's like a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, and I can't believe if it took me until I was like 34 new, to figure it to- out. Right. Right. <laughs> if you want to create something new, you can, like, you're just not. Yeah. Stuck, There's no bureaucracy right? at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you want to create a podcast? Cool. You can do it tomorrow. Like, right. The trade-off. <laughs> I think the ownership of time too, just having your oh, own yeah. like flexibility and control over your time. I don't know. I just can't yeah. imagine. I think it's also like, I'm much more productive now, strangely, which is odd. Cause like, I think people see me and they're like, but you take like three hours out of your day to like go do Pilates and like take the dog for a walk and then like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but my brain doesn't work well in the afternoon. So like between, it sounds really strange. I'm a morning person and an evening person. I afternoons are like this weird wasteland for me where I can't function as a human being, but like I can wake up at six and like hammer out six hours of work. Not a problem, like really in the zone. But Mm -hmm. then between like maybe one o'clock and four or five, I cannot hold my eyes open. Like nothing, unless I'm moving or like going outside, if I'm sitting Mm -hmm. at my desk, I'm falling asleep. And then I get like a second wind at like 8 p.m. where I'm like, oh, I've just had an idea and I must like focus on it right now. So I tend to work in like weird timeframes. But I think yeah. that's my that's my body's circadian rhythm, right? Like I think, oh, I don't know how you feel about balance, but like I, I, I'm, if I have to see like one more post about like how you need to be really balanced in your business and set yourself really firm boundaries, I might lose it. I, um, I, I don't I think, think it's another such a thing stick. As <laughs> yeah. It feels like to me, possible. another stick to beat yourself with. Like, yeah. it's like a, here's this thing that is totally unachievable because life gets in the way and you have ideas at all times of day or, you know, whatever. And we're just going to hold it up here as this like thing that you should be doing. And then you yeah. can just hit yourself with it. And like, it's another tool to make women right. hate themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I do enough self sabotage as it is yeah to have to worry about you know if i can just get to the gym or if i can and oh goodness if you throw kids stuff in there and you know i have to have self talks with myself all the time like you're only a human you can only do so much <laughs> like just yeah focus on what's in front of you cuz you can't there like you balance like then i would look like i had a we'd all have cookie cutter days if we lived balance and that's, there's no such thing. It's there is no such thing. I mean, and some I, people do have cookie cutter lives and cookie cutter days. I know several of them. They get up, they do the same thing over and over. You know what I mean? They go to work, they come home. They, yeah. that's not my personality. It never will be. I've accepted that. And so I think if you're one of but us, I think- yeah, <laughs> it's I think not balance going to look means like things. It means different things to different people, right? And I think, yeah. you know, even just talking about sort of like with kids, right? If you have kids, I don't have kids, but like having kids, I imagine that sometimes they need you more than your business does, and that is just where your attention needs to be. Yeah. And the same as like 
with, with me, like sometimes my business needs me more than my personal life does sometimes vice versa. Right. And it's just, it's juggling. It's not balance. You can't have everything on an even keel the whole time. You mm -hmm. need to lean into one more than the other sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I totally agree. Um, so you fell into starting Ibali, Ibali, right? Yeah. I'm pronouncing it. Ibali. Right. Ibali. Yeah. Sorry. Ibali. That's and okay. what is Ibali doing? What you're, you're, you're about marketing, but you're teaching, you work with a lot of different entrepreneurs or business owners. Yeah. So I work predominantly with women. Um, I have had male clients in the past. I, I tend not to have that many of them. Th mm -hmm. It's not a conscious thing. I think it is just like attracts like, right? Like I think, yeah. And also I, so I basically, I mean, I coach them through the process, right? So I coach, um, I consult with larger businesses and I coach sort of small business owners, um, through their marketing process. Um, essentially teaching them how, how to market themselves, but also like we dive into like a little bit of other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's very much sort of my, I don't do the sort of the done. I sometimes do the done for you sort of content for social media, but I, to be honest, I, I don't really like it that much. Yeah. I don't really get excited about it. So it's not really my bag. Um, right. so I've recently comes to you... started, oh, go ahead. sorry, no, oh, sorry. I'm just ready. saying I've, I've recently started doing this thing where like, if I know I can do something, but I don't like doing it, I put a price tag on it that like, frankly, most people wouldn't. And I, I, this is kind of one of my favorite things. It's like, I put a high end price tag on stuff that actually probably doesn't need a high end price tag, but I, cause I don't like doing it. So to me, that's worth more than doing something yeah. I do love. Yeah. And then if they like want to pay that, that's great. And I'll say to them, actually, sometimes I'll be like, look, it's this price because this isn't what I want to be doing. But right. if you want me to do it, I will happily do it for X price. But mm -hmm. I also recommend that you go elsewhere because there's probably people doing it cheaper. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah. then you don't feel like you're, I don't know, then I feel properly compensated for something I don't like doing. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I used, I used to do it with one particular service that I had. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. Because there totally is a demand it. for it, right? Like I get yeah. that people sometimes want it and then they're like, but I want it from you. And you're like, oh, okay, fine. But mm. yeah, but that's not the best use of your time, right? No, so, exactly. Um, if you want it, you're going to pay for it, right? Exactly. Uh, so you're teaching these owners. Now let's back up and let's talk about your, the scary steps into establishing your own company and did you have any fears about, we talked about a little bit about fears that you morphed into, but when yeah. you decided, okay, I've actually got something here. I'm, I should create a business out of this. What was that it, transition like? I think honestly, at that point, it didn't really feel scary because I was kind of already doing it. Like okay. I inadvertently started a business. Mm -hmm. I just hadn't called it that in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So the actual starting of the business wasn't that scary. It kind of just felt like quite organic and easy. Um, for me, what actually then happened was because I hadn't been marketing myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I 
been marketing other people. That was my thing, but I hadn't marketed myself as a business or a brand or anything like that. And that felt scary because it was, it's, it's one thing doing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think often you'll find this with marketers. We love other people being the center of the ten- of attention, right? Like that is our thing. Cause we are used to selling other people essentially. But then we get this thing where we're like, oh, we have, we have to do that for, our- oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> you just, just ignore me. I'll just be over here in the corner quietly. Um, yeah. And so that felt really daunting, very scary. Lots of weird stuff came into play that actually three years later, I'm still working through. So like yeah. there's certainly, like what? oh my goodness, um, all of the things. Um <laughs> I'm because I think you help you help I I mean I'm certain that probably some of your clients face the same challenges and I'm sure all of us as founders have faced similar challenges so what are a a couple of them I think initially like massive imposter syndrome a bit like oh well who am I to do this like because I know some amazing people who are really really talented working in large like you know large corporates who I'm just like but they're super talented. Like they, they can call themselves this, but I feel like, why, who am I? Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, which is weird and actually very strange. Like it, I think without the backing of an organization behind me, I felt almost like it was a self-validation piece because mm-hmm. I wasn't being validated by a job title. Mm. I'd sort of mm-hmm. created the job title and then that felt really kind of edgy and weird. Um, so there was a lot of working through that. Um, there was a lot of, um, a, a few, like some strange little money issues that things like, um, I actually had a, I've got a friend of mine who's, um, just trained as a Pilates instructor and she does like private one-to-ones. And she was saying to me the other day, she was like, you know, I've got this one client and they just sort of haven't paid me yet. And, um, I, and I was like, okay, well, have you, have you asked them? <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, I don't want to be pushy. And I was like, mm. and I was just like, it was so funny. Cause I was just like, oh yeah, four years ago, that was me. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that, it always felt really edgy, like sending out email, it, like invoices being like, oh, I can't believe people are paying me to do this. Cause I was really, in- I really enjoy it. So yeah. it was like this really strange thing. I was like, but I get money for something I like doing. And then that felt strange. And then I felt like I was asking people for money because to me, I loved it. And I'm like, but they could just do this themselves. And obviously they can't just do it themselves because that's my expertise. But in my mind, I was like, I can't believe I'm being paid for this. Like it's right. crazy. Um, so yeah, there was a lot around that and actually knowing your self-worth and knowing that you, you should be getting paid for this and that mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, as a marketer, you're like used to, when you work a large business, you have a team of people behind you. They're like, yeah. you can outsource pretty much everything. Like, it's great. So you can time-wise afford to do, and financially, anything you want. It's great. It's fantastic. And then you go to sort of start marketing for yourself and you suddenly go, oh God, like this all takes a lot of time and <laughs> I have clients to work with. So like, I, not only do I have to do like my client work, 
I then have to market myself and all of this, these, I was like, no, that's going to take too long. Oh no, that's nonsense. I don't need to do that anymore. Like, and I actually got to this point where I was like, actually so much of this stuff is just utter. Am I allowed to swear? So much of this stuff is just utter bullshit. Like you're just (laughs) kind of looking at it all. Just like going, okay, well that doesn't make sense. Like that's just, someone's just decided to do for the sake of doing something. And actually what especially personal brands, right? So when you're dealing with personal brands, which it's just do what makes the most sense. Like that's it. It's, that's really all it is. Um, so I sort of then was like, okay, well I'm going to do this in the most intentional and mindful way that I possibly can. Yeah. And then I sort of created like what I call the mindful marketing method, which is essentially just, it's really for personal brand owners and it's very much marketing with no nonsense. Like, None of this, like, and it's not like these hints and tips and that sort of stuff. It's actually, no, you're building a strategy like through this, like it's, and it's not like do as I say, not as I do. It's very much like, no, you could do this or you could do this or you could do this, but what fits with your goals? Mm -hmm. Like it's very much everything that you're doing, every action you're taking should be with that end goal in mind. It, It should have a purpose. And if you're just doing something because you're like, I like the look of it. Okay well, that's lovely and that's nice, but is that going to get you any further to your end goal? If it's not, then it's kind of a waste of your time and your energy. And I don't know, to me, that's, that seems like a terrible idea. (laughs) How do you feel about like for your personal brands that you coach? Mm -hmm. I think this goes for any brand really, uh, especially if you're starting one out. Um, I feel like there's this pressure to be on all the platforms and attack it from every scenario, which is absolutely Mm -hmm. exhausting. You know what I mean? Like all the socials, the website, the email marketing, the, this, the lead, the, like on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Right. And to get all of everything up and running and then maintain it. And then, yeah, I, I don't like, it's a lot of work. As you said, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, yep. I still have a day job, man. Like I still have to do my real job, right? Like marketing yeah. and I'm not going to hire these people. I mean, I've been, I'm in those shoes right now. I'm not going to hire a full-time marketer like no. it, I can't justify that. Right. But like, also to hire a good full-time marketer would be, you know, you know you're talking like 60,000 pounds a year. Mm-hmm. That's pounds. Not, I don't know how the conversion rate is, but like that yeah. would be, you know, otherwise you're hiring more, like, like some kid out of college who like great, fantastic, but they're not going to have right. the guidance. They, at no. that age, you need to be learning from superiors. Right. right. So, the knowledge yeah. and experience. No. And they don't have the insight. Yeah. And mm. I feel like from a marketing perspective, I mean, I have recruited enough to know that marketing people have specialties and it's a very broad subject and component, right? So some people may be strong with branding. Some people may be strong with um, social. Some be- people may be strong with content, but you, I rarely find at least with recruiting and recruiting high levels, VPs on down, like 
Some are really great with graphics. Like it's rare to find somebody that's great at every aspect of marketing. Like some yeah, are, well, it's, they're entirely different disciplines, right? Yeah, like right, but they all fall under always, the same bucket in yeah. our world. Yeah, it's bizarre. I would always start with strategy, like because yeah. everything else you can DIY essentially, or you can DIY, or you can kind of like maybe hire a graphic designer to do like. You can do contract stuff. Yeah. 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 Like a few different Instagram tiles and then you can do a photo shoot and then your Instagram sorted, right? Like it's not rocket science visually. I mean, you could hire someone to create your website and do your SEO for you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that, that I would suggest doing, but in terms of actual, I don't know, like I see loads of people that are like calling themselves like marketers on Instagram and they're essentially VAs right? Like there's no, no shame in that, but like what they're doing is nothing that a VA couldn't do. There's no mm. strategy involved. It's very like, um, and that's, and they, they are, I mean, there's no shame in this. I feel like that was a bit disparaging, but it's not meant to be. It's because they're straight out of uni or they're like in their first job and they're doing it as a side project. So like, that is what their knowledge of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess if you were like wanting to hire, I would say, work with a strategist as a consultant, hire a VA basically. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to be honest, if, if you're like, what do I, where do I even start? And I don't want to hire anyone. Um, I would, we just had a marketing, uh, <laughs> a girl that has a digital marketing firm on the mm. podcast a couple of days ago and she was like contract stuff out and her yeah. she gave a really great resource that's called marketer hire yeah like for, have you yeah um but yeah i just feel like there's all this pressure to yeah do I mean, in all terms the of things like, right and that doesn't things. mean that all the things are not they may not all so work for they, this they won't all work right. they absolutely so, will not all work and what this comes back down to is the one thing that i always say to the first thing i do with any new client is basically who is your client yeah do you know who your client is and i'm not saying they're in this demographic and they have sort of this salary and they live here and they because those those that, that's boring like that's not going to sell stuff like, yeah, okay, it's good to know if they're male or female, but actually, no, what you really want to know is like the nitty gritty stuff about your clients. Like, what do they lie awake at night worrying about at 3 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Like, those things are the things that you need to know. Like, where are they spending their time? Like, where are they? Like, every little detail that you can get of information about your client will help you to speak to them. Okay. Because basically, with marketing, it's essentially a relationship. So you are building a relationship with someone and that is your audience. They're your people, but you can't build a relationship with someone if you're not speaking the same language as them. So if your product is really high end, really luxe, but really luxe brand and your, or, or your offering is really like whatever. And, but actually you're using, so your clients would naturally be that per, like some, someone that's like that, but you're using loads of slang, loads of emojis, loads of like stuff in your copy that just doesn't make sense. Like that's a really extreme version of it. <laughs> but like, it's like, where are they shopping? What sort of feel do they like in a brand? Like, what do they like 
to look like how do they yeah how do they spend the time what and also like what are you solving for them like what what really like at the end of the day what is it that they need from you i see this quite a lot with like coaches they're like they try they're like i want to create this office they create this office and there's absolutely no demand for it because they haven't thought about their client they've thought about themselves gotcha Mm-hmm. And they kind of got a client base already, but then they're like, but, but why is it not? I've got this big audience. Like, why is no one buying it? And I'm like, well, one sales is about repetition. So that's a whole other f- thing. But also like, if you do not know your client, nothing else or f- everything else is going to go completely by the wayside. Like it's not going to work. Um, so yeah, first step is always get to know your clients. Second step is where are they? Like if all mm-hmm. your clients are on, are on LinkedIn, what are you doing on Instagram? Right. Um, if all your clients or are YouTube, on... yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this is a... no. <laughs> but like, if all your clients are on, are like under the age of 25, and you're not on TikTok, right? You need to be on TikTok. Like, right. that's where right. you need to be. Right. And so, I basically, I would say, pick a platform, just one, do it really, really well. And if you need to pick a second platform, just repurpose content. Yeah. Like don't, yeah. Um, the other thing is you said email before you need to be, that's where you make your money. Yeah. Email's it, huge, inst- but you gotta get the emails, right? Yeah. you got to get the emails. Um, mm-hmm. fortunately that is the hard part, right? So to get the emails, I do like a monthly, actually, I say I do, I, I'm doing my last monthly one in uh, the 2nd of June. I do like a monthly free, like marketing informal, it's like a women's circle essentially, but like with a marketing spin, I don't really know how else to describe it. (laughs) Um, that sounds really strange. It is like a, it's a bit like a moon circle, except it's not about the moon. So it's a bit like a women's circle except for female business owners. And it's very much like every month we'll have a topic. So like, I'll start out with a, um, we did sales last time. So like, I had like a little bit of a, I don't really do formal presentations cause I don't like rules, but, um, I basically like spoke a bit on sales and then we did some journaling around it. We dove into each of their businesses. It was like a little workshop. So I could, it's meant to be an hour and a half. It always overruns. So it was two hours. Um, and I do that like maybe once a month, well, I've been doing it once a month for six months to boost my email list. Um, because I think people prefer live things than pre-recorded stuff generally. Yeah. So that's How's something that's worth doing. Um, the, the list has grown, the list has grown, but I've actually, I've just really loved doing them. It's really nice to connect to that sort of audience, like mm-hmm. to the people who they're kind of in your orbit. They're not sure if they're going to buy from you yet. And if they are going to buy from you, it's going to be something that's pre-recorded because they they're like dipping their toes in the water. So you'll mm-hmm. probably never have met them, even if they bought from you before. So it's really nice to kind of connect with them. And also you learn so much, right? Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. I've learned so much about like what they are concerned about in their businesses, like things that are niggling for them, things that they're like, oh, actually, I really want something about this or this really helps me. And that's very, very powerful, right? Because like knowledge is powerful. Um, so yeah, it goes back to that. You should always be learning about your client. Yeah. Always. Right. And you can ask your client if, 
someone said to me, they were like, how, how do I learn about my client? I'm like, you can just do polls on Instagram stories. If you like, that's an easy way. If they're yeah. following you, they're probably interested in your content. Find out why. Right. And then when you do free stuff, just ask people questions, ask your existing clients, loads of questions. Be like, can I ask you what drew you to me? Like why me, not someone else? What is it that you like about working with me? What is it that maybe you're like, oh, this is annoying. You know, ask, right. <laughs> ask them what you do that annoys them. Like feedback, feedback is always good. That's a good point. That's a good point. You can do polls on um, LinkedIn too. So yeah. yeah, I'm not a LinkedIn. Oh. I'm yeah. moving. This, is, this was my, um, oh, this is terrible. We're in what, May? Mm -hmm. My new year's resolution in January was to move back onto LinkedIn and I have not done anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It feels really, um, it's yeah, it's not my happy space and it's, which is crazy. Cause actually I should be there. It just feels very like the energy of it feels really masculine to me. Really? And but yeah, like really masculine, like it's really not intuitive. And I love tech to feel intuitive. Like that's kind of like my thing. Like if it doesn't, I'm like, oh no. Ugh. So what Don't would you tell your today. client? What would you tell your client? Oh, um, in the, if, if they were me, I would almost just tell them to suck it up and do it. Really? Really? <laughs> no, I think there's, there's, there's a reward system, whether you kind of like, cause I know I need to be on LinkedIn. Like that's where. I need to be. And for me, it's more of a, it's a prioritization thing. I, my priorities are need to shift from Instagram to LinkedIn. And there's also a rebrand sort of happening as well, which is, there's just a lot of things in the background and that I'm sort of trying to ease myself mm -hmm. over there with, but, um, mm. yeah, don't be a perfectionist about it. I think I've got, um, what I call blank page itis. Cause I feel like if I move properly over to LinkedIn and I have actually set up a profile that I just, I did it years ago. So the branding's not right, but also, but I really want to like write something to put onto it. That, but then I'm like, but it's like the first page in a notebook. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you're like, it's like so pristine. Write an essay. <laughs> it's so white and clean and lovely. And I'm like, What's the first thing, like the pressure of the first thing you're going to do? My goodness. No, it feels like a lot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I do just need to like dedicate some time to it basically. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. it's Once you dive into it, it's not that daunting. You just take section by section. Maybe you can do one section a day. Exactly. It's not, go. none of these things are daunting. It's just, it's totally in our heads. It's what you're used to. Mm. Familiarity is always comfortable, right? Right, right. And then if it feels a bit edgy, it's probably because you need to be doing it. Right. So whenever you went through imposter syndrome and um, based on our conversation before, it sounds mm. like some of your clients have faced imposter syndrome. I know imposter syndrome seemed to come up a lot in the past couple of years. I haven't seen yeah. as much on it recently, but what, how did you overcome that? How, what do you advise? Like what tools or tips do you help I've give your clients to overcome it. that? You've reframed um, it. Okay. 
Yeah. So if you think about what imposter syndrome is, right, it is essentially this feeling of like, oh my goodness, like this feels uncomfortable. Why does this feel uncomfortable? Oh, because it's new or it's like, oh, you know, who am I to be doing this? And actually for me, I tend to get it when I'm doing something that's like newer or is maybe like a new skill I've done, I've learned or something like that. Basically every time I level up, I get imposter syndrome. It goes away for months and then I like do something and then I'm like, oh, that felt a bit. Mm. And it's essentially just growth. Mm-hmm. So it is, a, it is a side effect of growth, mm. right? Like so it. why are we calling it imposter syndrome? Why not just call it like growth syndrome or like something else have to be that sounds really medical, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is essentially just a symptom or a side effect of growing. A growth right? spurt. So now it's not it's a, a good yeah (laughs) it's a good thing right like it means that you are growing you're evolving you are you know you're moving forward so it's actually reassuring yeah because if you're not feeling it ever then you're just sitting in your comfort zone doing nothing and not progressing and that to me is more concerning right i'm taking notes But yeah, I think it's just the language we use around stuff as well. Like it's so important. It's really, um, some of the stuff that we say to each other that or ourselves actually is often pretty horrendous. My favorite right. one is the, the old adage of, but what if it goes wrong? Every time I had a client that was like, every time she did something, she was like, but what if it doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? And I'm like, yeah, but what if it does work? Like, let's just yeah. flip that question. Like, what is, what if it does? Stop asking yourself, what if it goes wrong? Start asking yourself, what if it goes right? And then see how you feel. Yeah. And that always helps. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I, um, it's interesting because me personally, I never ever, like that thought process never comes into my head of like, what if this doesn't work? The, the what worry. if it goes wrong? Yeah, like, cause yeah. maybe because I have gone through so much and I have realized that there isn't failure. It's just, okay, if something it's doesn't work, learning. you try something. It's just a detour to go on a different path. Like that's the way I yeah. believe. And it's a learning experience, reality is. And so yeah. I just try to, try to take learning from it i don't ever i'd rather walk away knowing that i tried something and maybe that wasn't the right approach and i can try a different approach but never do i ever (laughs) that's funny that i say that never (laughs) never uh i i i I I don't ever have that mentality or that thought but i i know people and i encountered many people uh that have Mm. that train of thought all the time like but what if it doesn't work what if it doesn't yeah is that coming from a place of fear or what because it doesn't even i think i, I can't put myself funny. in their shoes because i don't i don't think that way does that make sense like, yeah those words i, come I get mala. that yeah i think um i don't necessarily think that way i i firmly believe that failure is a social construct that just doesn't exist like that's yeah. failure is not it doesn't exist you can't fail the only way you can fail is by not doing anything and just not trying. Right. right? right. So everything you fail at is essentially a learning experience in my opinion. So like I, that's just, and it's just an opportunity. You can, the only way you can fail is by doing something 
and not learning from it and then doing it again. That to me is failure. Cause I'm like, well, you didn't learn the first time. Like just, just right. go away and analyze what you just did. But right. I think for me, failure is the, the, what if it goes wrong? It's a question that other people have asked me. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, like my parents, very different generation. They're like, my, I mean, my dad's in his seventies and they are like that they come at it from like a, i guess it's a fear-based place but but not for themselves but for me mm-hmm. right like i think they're like but what if it doesn't work what if this doesn't work and now i've just yeah. stopped telling them things until it's happening yeah. <laughs> so like because right. i know that i think they just it worry. comes from a place of love yeah protection. it comes from a place yeah. of love and worry it's absolutely love and protection um and i've definitely but i've definitely learned that when i have a new idea Oh, I keep it to myself because mm-hmm. I don't want other people's voices in there going, what if it doesn't work? What if this, what if that? I'm like, no, no, no. I need to like, cause for me, it's all about how does it feel on my gut? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I physically feel? I can tell if I'm, if something isn't going to go well for me mm-hmm. by my gut reaction mm-hmm. and like listening to myself. Um, it, t- it took me a long time to be able to listen to my gut, like yeah. really long time to be able to listen to that intuition. So I know, and I don't at that point need the external voices. So I'm like, okay, I have a list of people who I call like, it's really bad, safe and unsafe in terms Mm -hmm. of ideas. Mm -hmm. And like the safe people I'll discuss ideas with and the unsafe people I won't. And it doesn't matter how much you love them. Some people that you love the most are on the unsafe list because I can't take a new, not like, sounds really bad, unsafe sounds really dramatic. Maybe I'll reframe that. But it, <laughs> but it's like I wouldn't go with to my parents with a new idea because I know that they have those fears and those worries. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I might have a friend that I've known for like a couple of months, but I know that they have the same sort of mindset dynamic that I do, and they're like, they'll help me work through it whilst not placing their own fears and doubts and worries on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's if you're like any in any way entrepreneurial, quite a useful thing to do just to make a list of people that you tell ideas to and a list of people that you're just like, maybe we'll just hold off until it's already happening. And then we'll tell them about that. Mm-hmm. Not that they won't be happy for you, but more that they do have their own fears for you. Right. Well, and you don't have the outside chatter that gets in your head. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There is the theory. I mean, if you're wanting feedback and needing to brainstorm, then by all means, reach out to those people. There is a theory of don't tell anyone until it's done, until it's built, right? Or created, depending on what your needs are, right? Yeah. I've learned. Because I I personally, this isn't a this podcast is about you, but I personally I know that I can overwhelm people because I my brain does not shut off. And it yeah. I'm assuming that you have I think entrepreneurs in general just have like it's this hard is, to especially turn it serial off. entrepreneurs, you just think you're constantly thinking of new things. You can't help it, right? Like, yeah. oh, I could do this, and this falls into place, and this falls in, right? And and it most, always happens at really annoying moments as well. Right, those ideas, right. like, yeah, always when your brain is starting to switch off. So, like, if I'm in the shower, like, I'm debating putting a whiteboard in the shower because I'm like, I have great ideas. <laughs> you in the should, shower. you should, and then or I like a recorder, like, like a oh recorder button. <laughs> yeah, so you, you can. <laughs> I leave the shower and I'm like, oh my god, no, what was it? I, I was trying to remember that. 
And like yeah. I have post-its everywhere because yeah. I'll be doing something and then something else will pop into my head and I'm like, if I don't write that down, it's gone. Right. Like, yeah. I carry a notebook yeah. everywhere I go. Yeah. That's a bit more organized than a post-it. Yeah. I'm really bad. Or I, I voice record it on my phone. I have all these random um, notes on my phone or I write see, myself emails. I did I did that for a really long period of time. Like use my phone notes and my voice notes. And um What's actually ended up happening is I've just got a wasteland of dead ideas in notes because I don't go back and read them or I don't go back and listen to them. So I've just got like essentially like a graveyard of like content ideas in my notes section really? on my phone. What happens, really if you should... e- what happens if you email them to you? So then when you go to your email, like you I have mean, to address that's them. a good idea. Yeah, that, that would probably be a good I don't idea. Know. I like having a clean <laughs> inbox. So I'm like, I don't get oh. rid of it until I address each email, right? Or figure my out. My inbox is, um, it's not very clean. <laughs> I'm, I'm not one of those people. You know how you have those people who you look at the notifications on their phone and you just go, oh my God, that's terrifying. That's my phone. Mm. Like I'm the person with like the 58 unread WhatsApp messages and the and like the thousands of unread emails because it's junk and I just haven't bothered to archive it or like get rid of it or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, it's not great. <laughs> wow. Well, my brain's every, not I mean, organized. A lot of people like that. Right. <laughs> uh, interesting. So what you've given lots of great advice. I think, uh, I was going to ask you what advice would you give to, you know, others starting out? Uh, but I feel like you've given great advice from a marketing perspective, from a business perspective, would you have any, um, any words of encouragement for newbies? Um, well, I have one more piece of advice is get your ducks in a row. Um, so like, and what do you mean like, by that? If, if you can automate it, automate it and do it from the beginning. Because I think because I had that year of like, I'm there, it's not really a business. I'm just freelancing, like whatever. I didn't put the structure in place until like well in. Mm -hmm. And actually that was quite an effort um, because it was like half done, half not. It was all very chaotic. So like if you can get your automated email flows in place so that and your lead magnet so that like you don't have to think about it or you have like a signature offer that you can just create that's pre-recorded that you can just be like, well, that's just selling as and when people come to it. Um, and also even silly stuff, like make sure you have a separate bank account, like those things, <laughs> things that right. I didn't do to start with. Um, that, that would be like my, like from a practical perspective, just ducks in a row and anything that you can do, like open a zero account. Don't try and do your taxes by yourself. It's a nightmare. Um, mm. <laughs> those things. Um, I call that building the foundation. So it it may seem may seem like more work up front, but you're gonna save yourself a nightmare later on trying to backtrack, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, good advice. I used, good advice. Someone used to say to me when I was little. Apparently, say to me, um, "Are you gonna do this the easy way or the hard way?" And invariably, I would always pick the hard way. <laughs> And like, I did it. I still pick the hard way. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> put the systems in place first. Don't, don't mess around with that. It just makes your life so much. And also you'll be busier further down the line. You won't have time to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. in terms of like words of wisdom type stuff, oh my goodness. 
That's, that's really, oh, that feels really weighted and loaded. Um, well, you don't have to answer it. No, uh, I'm going to try. Some good advice. I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> I think it's, um, honestly, I think it's just doing it. Like, I, I just do it. I think it's, it is one of the most rewarding things you will ever do. It's also one of the hardest, right? So like it's, everybody would do this if it was really, really easy. But if you have an idea or you just know you want to work for yourself, anything like that, just do it. Just try it. Like what is the absolute worst that could happen? Right. Like probably not, nothing bad. Like you, I don't know. Like, and I also, I feel like it's, and people say, oh, well, I'm leaving like a job and it's giving me X amount. Of, well, okay. Save up to four months. Or actually, if you're going to be really cautious, save up to six months of your salary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have that saved away for a rainy day. Keep it in a savings account. That'll cover you for six months. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you've got nothing to lose. And if at month five, you're like, this isn't working, apply for jobs. Chances are you were employable before you'll be employable afterwards. You know, right. it's, and it's a learning experience to have on your CV. You can right. spin it that way. So there's really nothing to lose. And the chance, and honestly, I'm pretty sure you would be by month five, month six, be like, I'm never going back to full-time employment. <laughs> right. So I think it depends on what you're building, but for sure. Well, yeah, it, it absolutely does depend on what you're building. Um, but yeah, I think just do it. Just try it. Essentially. Just do it. I like it. You're going with the Nike slogan. Just yeah, do it. With Nike, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were onto just something. It. it worked. Right. It and did. keep it simple. Yeah. Simple is I always like best. Simple is yes. Less is more as I yeah. uh, For like everything. to tell people. For everything. Branding, marketing, always keep it simple. Yes. Uh, it's very cool. tempting so to complicate things. What's next for you? Um, ooh, what is next for me? So I am, I've taken what, what was my sort of like group coaching course, the mindful marketing method. I've made it into a pre-recorded course that's launching next week. It's very exciting. Um, it just means it's a more accessible price point, right? Like it's, it's more people can access it. Also top tip from a marketer's perspective, you don't have to launch. You don't have the added pressure of like having to, it's just always selling in the background rather than you being like, exhausting yourself for two weeks to get like 30 people on a, on like a group thing. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. yeah. Um, so that is launching next week. I want to say. Awesome. And, um, yeah, that's it. That's I great. also started working with a really exciting, um, uh, startup that is a women's health app. Oh, nice. Which, yeah. Um, it's like continuous glucose monitors and a health app and it's all very exciting. So that's super we've just cool. been like looking at branding and things like that. Ah, fun, fun. Mm. That's awesome. Well, good for you. So now where can people find you? And if they, if there are lots of entrepreneurs and founders out there that need marketing help, where should they go to get some of your advice and get into the the abali goods so they can receive info yeah instagram is my happy place um okay. and it's i just, am on linkedin and we'll i check link. my linkedin once a month <laughs> I, I will be checking it more i promise um 
I hate Facebook, so you'll not find me there because I find it utterly horrendous. Um, yeah, and yeah, too. lean into what you like, by the way. There's <laughs> no yeah. point saying, I want to be on this platform if you hate it. There's no point. Um, so yeah, I'm on Instagram. I am Ibali underscore digital underscore marketing. Um, you can also have a look at my website. Everything's on there that you would need to know. And um, yeah, I'm That's always, awesome. by the way, on my stories, replying to DMs and things like that. So message me. So IG is where it's at. Yeah. For Lucy. That is. Uh, yeah. When did, when did Facebook get so horrendous? Like, I haven't been. I, oh. I, I share the same emotions and feelings that you do about FB, what I call FB. <sighs> they just change everything uh, too often. It just feels cringy, it's man. It's exhausting. And it's yeah. also like someone's had a baby or someone's uncle's being racist. I mean, like that, there's no in between, like, it's just those two things. Every time I go um, on there. Or okay, what cool. somebody ate for dinner. Like, I don't care. Oh, or a really big overshare about like someone's marriage or like, but not actually telling you what the problem is. Just a really lengthy post about how like people are terrible and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Do you feel better? It all just feels, yeah, it all just feels a bit like, I think it's, no, do you know what it is? I think it's, um, it's when boomers started to use it. This is really bad. I feel like I'm pigeonholing, but when they started to use it, so like my dad's generation started to use it and they didn't grow up with the internet. I, mm. yeah, I didn't really get the internet until I was 10, but like they didn't really like, so they don't really understand how to use social media because yeah. they've only just really started using social media. Mm -hmm. And they're doing what we did when Facebook first started, which was literally like sharing out every thought, but they're doing it now. <laughs> That's when Facebook died. Oh <laughs> <gasps> uh, yeah, I yeah I remember back in the day when people were treating it as their journal. I'm like, yeah, I, or like, day, it's like conversations on people's walls. Like, what was that about? Like, so no. strange, strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway, <absolutely> bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. That's what I do. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's funny. I'm going to insert that. Have you ever seen that video of the woman? Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to insert that at the end of this in this uh, <laughs> podcast video. That's great. Anyway, well, I so appreciate your time. It's been so fun talking to you and I uh, greatly admire and appreciate what you're doing to help others um, being in the founder seat and the entrepreneur seat uh your work i learned everything by reading and watching and i wish i knew you years ago but uh <laughs> you can help people immensely and i think it's invaluable what you're adding to and um that's great so good job oh, thank you yeah yeah for sure are most of your clients real quick before we wrap up are most of your mm -hmm. clients in the uk or are they all over like where's no. where do you target <laughs> I think I've got, do I have any in the UK at the moment? I have had UK clients. I don't think I have any in the UK at the moment. That's really? Bizarre. Are they on um, France? France? They are, no, no one in France. I've got a couple in the US. Um, oh, maybe I've got two in London, one in London and then one in Thailand and one in Australia. Um, mm. Yeah, they're all over the place. But okay. they're so global. Almost, 
almost invariably never where I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for spending some time with me uh, this evening for you or late afternoon. It's evening. It's early evening. Evening. Um, And uh, good luck with everything. Keep us posted on anything new that you launch and uh, how we can support you. Is is there anything? How can we help you? Oh, I don't know. I haven't even thought of that yet. (laughs) Um, No, I'm honestly not sure. (laughs) Okay. We'll think about it and let us know how we can help you. And we would be happy to help you. And we will include all of your info below. So people can just click on your Instagram or your um, website. We'll keep it at those since you aren't a fan of the rest. And uh, yeah, yeah, good luck. (laughs) Keep us posted. Stay in touch. Thank you. I will. It's been so lovely chatting to you. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, subscribe to our channel, The Wild Feather. If you want to learn more about our guests or their products and companies, you can visit our website at thewildfeatherpodcast.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter to receive info on our upcoming episodes. Follow us on social media to get the latest deets. We're on all of them, so pick your favorite and follow us. And if you're a founder and need funding or accelerator info or business resources, you can go to our website, thewildfeatherpodcast.com and find some valuable information and resources there. No matter if you're a founder, your investor, or what your path is, just remember you were born with wings. Wings.